Touchdown Locked On Ducks, a special interview with former Anaheim Duck Andy Sutton on today's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday. I'm your host, Jason J.D. Hernandez, covering hockey for over a decade. A quick reminder that you can hear this podcast on pretty much any podcasting platform that you care to use, including Spotify and Odyssey, among others. Also, please don't forget to rate five stars, download, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Folks, it has been a busy couple weeks here on Locked on Ducks. We crowned a champion with a former Duck winning his third consecutive cup, the expansion list coming out, the Kraken expansion draft, and the NHL entry draft. Today, we are taking a break from all that as I present a special interview with Andy Sutton, CEO of Verbero Hockey, as he talks about his time with the Ducks, his company, and life after hockey. I presented a small snippet of this interview last week, so if you missed out on that and want to go back and hear it, check out some of the previous podcasts from this show. Look for the podcast that features Andy Sutton last week. It's about five, six minutes long, so definitely check that out if you missed it. All right, without much further ado, here is the interview with Andy Sutton. Enjoy, folks. All right, I am joined right now by... NHL veteran, the CEO of Verbero Hockey. It is Andy Sutton, former Anaheim Duck. Uh, Andy, how are you doing this morning? Hey, Jason, I'm doing well. Nice to nice to spend time with you. Um, so you spent a short time with the Anaheim Ducks, but let's get right into it. Uh, first off, tell us about the company that you are CEO for. Yeah, so the company is Verbero. It's actually a company that started out in Southern California. Um, Pretty predominantly, I'd say equal mix between ice and roller. Um, I was working for a company out in California as president and, and was able to acquire this brand, run as a standalone. So, you know, worked to take, you know, really take some of the best bits from Verbero and then brought in a bunch of other um, things that I had worked on uh, previously to, to really round out the offering. So, you know, we've got the lightest stick on the market at 350 grams, the only full carbon fiber skate. Um, we've got the only proprietary team store software. So we, um, we own our own apparel manufacturing. So we do all the apparel, gameware, bags, accessories. We own the manufacturing and we have a proprietary team store software that allows us to, to host that in real time uh, for our teams and, and associations that we're affiliated with. And then beyond that, like our program is all about, you know, player direct and direct consumer. I always wanted to make sure that we could, we could put value and, and quality in the same sentence without compromise. Um, that's something that I think has fallen away in the game and really wanted to make products more accessible, more cost effective without compromising on, on quality. So, you know, I, I want to make sure that it, it passes the test, you know, for, uh, you know, to be a top tier product because I want to be upheld to that regard. And then beyond that, you know, we're, we're 30 to 60% less than the competitors, uh, you know, comparable products. So we're, uh, we're a great choice for people, especially in this, in this day and age. You mentioned some kind of software that you use, um, what kind of software or I guess uh, computer programs or programs do you have that sets Verbero apart from other manufacturers or other companies? Yeah, so the my my best friend is an elite level software programmer. He programs for the for the government, and he's he's an, he's just incredible. And I went and I went to him. I said I said, look, his name's Donnie. I said, hey, Donnie, I want to have the most progressive. 
uh, software in the, in the business, what can you do? So he started to take a look at the API inside of Shopify, which is where we host our e-commerce and was able to navigate uh, inside of Shopify to create a lot of custom coding to allow us to have these team stores and be able to turn them on on demand. So, you know, everything is there, you know, our, all of our hard goods and equipment are there, you know, head, headwear's there, every apparel item you could imagine, custom gloves, custom pants. Um, we're really known for our custom products. And then uh, we're also in the finishing stages of um, creating a portal that will essentially allow us to become sort of a DoorDash style uh, business with regards to custom products so that the customers and the affiliated sales reps and accounts get notifications, multiple notifications as, as the uh, manufacturing process and shipping process um, you know, per- persists. And that, that way, you know, our reps and, and as a brand, we're able to focus on other things, not so much customer service and with managing people wondering where their orders are in space. So we'll have those two proprietary systems in place. Um, and then beyond that, we just really focus on service and making sure the, the goods are, are, are top quality. You mentioned custom products. Does that also include custom goalie gear? Because I know that's a big thing in some circles. You know, some of the goalie gear that we're seeing nowadays is just beyond amazing. Does it include that as well? Yeah, and it's like, you know, Jason, that's the thing for us. It's all about custom, right? So we partnered with a company called Kineski Manufacturing out of Ontario. They're a third-generation custom goalie manufacturer. Everything's handmade. As far as uh, design elements, we you know we we have the tagline "Embrace your crazy" for our goalie category because <laughs> we really want to make sure the goalies can uh, can do anything their mind uh, conceives uh, from a design standpoint. So we have an in-house design department. We work with the customer to help them create the you know design that comes from their imagination, and then and then Kineski brings it to life. Our products, um, you know, are, are less cost than, say, a stock pad from the comparable brands at a retail location. And you're able to get you know, full, full custom, you know, every, everything from brakes to strapping to, to, des- to design details is all, is all there. And then we have uh, we have the same thing for masks. We partnered with a company called Victory Helmets out in the New Jersey area. They make one of the best helmets in the game, if not the best. And then we do custom wraps on our helmets to save time and money. So, you know, a traditional paint job might be somewhere between a thousand and $2,000 might take eight to 10 weeks. We're turning out custom wraps for like 500 bucks and we're turning those out in like seven to 10 days. So we're, we're different in every way. And, and we want to, we want to be that way uh, ongoing. It's one of the taglines that we inherited at Verbero is be different. And Verbero, Verbero is Latin. Uh, it, it literally means to beat, lash, scourge, or drum. So we want to, we want to definitely <laughs> challenge the status quo, be different, and then uh, you know always work to provide more intimacy with our, you know, with our sales structure and really with our customers. You know, we we opened up the sales market too. That's probably the other thing that's our key differentiator is. We allow our reps to sell anywhere to anybody. There's no territorial exclusivity. And then we allow we allow our reps to build their own sub-rep forces so they can work with their best friends and colleagues. We've we, we brought on, uh, you know, top two organizations like Elite Prospects that we work with that get a million site visitors a day, you know, all the way down through different associations to include like, you know, St. Louis AAA Blues, St. Louis Blues alumni, um, you know, Hockey Calgary, Hockey Edmonton, We've got some really great, uh, great partners and, and continue to add, uh, add to that weekly. 
We'll have more with Andy Sutton from Verbero Hockey after this brief intermission from Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar in the land. They come in nine fantastic flavors, including Cherry Barcia, Double Chocolate, and Mint Brownie, among others. They are packed with 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar, and they taste like a candy bar. So not only are they healthy for you, but they are delicious as well. Head over to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get a 15% discount on your next order. Once again, that is Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, coming up after the intermission, we'll have more with Andy Sutton, including talking about his time in Anaheim and who was the biggest prankster on the team. Stay locked in. So you're from London, Ontario, Canada. So, you know, you grew up obviously around hockey. You played a lot of youth hockey out there. Yeah, I did. I was born in I was born in London. My family moved to Burlington, Ontario, when I was two. I ended up spending uh, the next twelve years there playing minor hockey, and then my family moved to Kingston, Ontario, um, where I where I played a little more minor hockey, and then I went and played junior B. I never made my midget team, which is a interesting part of the journey. You know, I wasn't oh, uh, wow. I wasn't exactly yeah. I wasn't exactly an early bloomer. I was kind of a late bloomer, and definitely you know I think being big. I fought probably fought my body a lot early on, so I didn't make my I didn't make my midget team. So I went and played junior B in a in a in a small town called Gananoque, and it was uh, it was really kind of a uh, you know a huge part of my career going there. The, the the players took care of me. I was the only it was the youngest player in the league, and playing with guys with jobs and mustaches and, and baby mama drama and the whole deal. So it was uh, <laughs> it was an awakening for sure, but it was uh, definitely a pivotal part of my experience. Uh, you were first signed by the San Jose Sharks uh, way back in 98. What was your memories of when you first signed, got your first NHL contract? What was the reaction there? How did you feel about that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I never, I was never drafted. And, uh, if you, you know, if you'd asked me up through my first three years of college, you know, I got, I got a partial scholarship to Michigan Tech, which is a really, really small school. It's an amazing school, an engineering school. Um, but there's only like 8,000 students. So it's, it's a very small, um, campus and, and went there on a partial scholarship, was able to convert the rest, uh, through academics to, to cover the, the whole nut. So it was great for my family. And, and then while I was there, you know, I bounced around, I got a scholarship as a forward. Um, you know, I got asked if I had any interest in playing defense my sophomore year after Pierre Paget had spent some time with our team. And I, I agreed to it adamantly at that time. And it took me better part of two years to figure that out. And, and then I turned down an internship with the U S Navy um, the summer before my senior campaign, I was like, oh, I'm going to give this one last kick at the can and see what happens here. I don't, I didn't expect to do much of anything career wise uh, after that. And for whatever reason, my senior season, uh, you know, everything worked out really well. I ended up winning defensive player of the year and I was an all American and uh, I had 14 NHL teams try to sign me the day after my last game. So I went from having six bucks in my bank and, uh, you know, and, and scratching by at school to, you know, having every opportunity and then to have the chance to go to California was, was unbelievable. I can still remember the, the smell and the feeling when I first got there. And it's really the reason why I, 
ended up in 2010 uh, with the Ducks. I just told my agent to get me a job with the Ducks or the Kings. I didn't care uh, which team it was going to be. I got a one-year deal uh, with the with the Kings on the table, and I had a two-year deal with the Ducks. So I ended up signing with uh, with Anaheim, obviously, and and stayed there through uh, through 2020. I stayed all the way from 2010 through 2020 in Southern California. I'm in Nashville, Tennessee now, but uh, it was uh, it's definitely uh, near and dear to me. My both my children were born there. My wife is from there, uh, from Newport Beach. So it's it uh, definitely was uh, one of the one of the great times in my life. Let's talk about your your time in Anaheim because that was obviously the 2011 season. That was a stacked team. There was some very good talent on that team. Let's start off with people that a player that people loved is Corey Perry. He's still beloved out here in Anaheim. What was it like having a front seat to that season with Corey Perry? Because I know he was a Rocket Richard winner. He was the MVP that season. So to start off talking about Corey Perry, what was it like having that front row view of Perry that particular season? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, Corey is uh, one of the best I've ever seen at manufacturing things. You know, he has, he's he has a relentless work ethic um, and just a nose for how to, how to get things done. And, uh, he's not, certainly not afraid to get dirty doing it. And and that was the thing that I was probably most impressed with, 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 with Corey, um, the supporting cast that was, that was there that year was really unbelievable to your point. I mean, you know, Tim Mussolini, uh, you know, Saku Koibu was there, obviously, you know, Getsy is the center of it all. And then the young Cam Fowler and, and, uh, you know, we had, we had just some amazing players. And I, I think we, you know, we had, real potential that year. I didn't live up to mine. And that's, you know, why I was moved to Edmonton after the first year I had probably my, one of my poorest years. I, I shattered my thumb in a fight the first game of the year. And, you know, this is when I was, you know, poised to play with, uh, Lubomir Bisnovsky and be the, you know, be part of the top four. And, and I just, I just never really got back into the fray there after the injury. It was a, it was a pretty bad one. They put a huge plate in my thumb and I tried to play with a cast on and, lost a lot of confidence and I think the organization lost confidence in me and I, I never got another kick at the can out there but it, it is it is what it is and it was it was definitely a, a great year one I'll always remember playing for that team. Uh, what are some of your favorite, favorite memories from that team aside from watching Corey Perry and having all those guys out there what were some of your favorite memories? Well you know just honestly the the time spent you know we as you know, we, we do a lot of traveling. There's a lot of time hanging around the rink. And, you know, I, I would consider Saku Koivu to be one of my great friends. I don't speak with him that much anymore, but I know we'd, we'd pick up where we left off. And Andreas Lilia uh, was a defenseman there, Paul Mara, you know, and then and then Cam Fowler. And, and we just had we just had such a great group, you know, and, uh, you know, Getsy and I were, were tight that year. And I think we just had a we just had a really solid group of guys that, that cared for each other. And um, I think that was probably the highlight for me, you know, just being, being part of a team like that with so many, so many great players, but yet, you know, off the ice, we were all, uh, we all got along really well. It was a really, it was a really close knit team. I would say like the team was, uh, team was pretty tight and unified. And um, that, that was really enjoyable that year. Um, so I actually got some questions from a couple people and I think you'll like this question. This is from, John Broadman from Defend the Nest. Um, I'm here with Andy Sutton from Verboro Hockey. This question comes from John Broadbent. And I like this question. Who was the team prankster during that 2010-2011 season? <laughs> well, it it potentially could have been me. You know, I was uh, 
I wasn't playing that much. You know, I think Randy had, uh, you know, lost confidence in me and I didn't, you know, I didn't do what I needed to do probably to get it back. So I had, had a lot of, uh, I had a lot of free time and I've always been kind of a, a, a joker with the teams anyways. So you, you give me all that extra free time and, and, and we're, you know, definitely gonna, gonna have a few laughs with so between myself and Andreas Lulia and, Paul Mara, we were uh, we were always in, in cahoots working on something, but it was a uh, it was always with a with a good sense of humor. That that group had a, definitely had a good sense of humor. Wait, those are names I didn't expect to be on the pranksters list. Anything anything you remember from that season? Well, I don't remember specifically, and I'm forgetting George Peros too is one of the funniest guys on the planet. So we we had we definitely had some some characters in that locker room that uh, that made things fun. There was there was always something going on. I mean, somebody was always always getting the getting the ribbing or whatever but it was it was usually above board it was a pretty respectful group but i think uh you know i think we had we definitely had our share of fun uh which leads to another question from um saint george sports fan who wanted to ask about randy carlisle what was it like playing under randy carlisle that season well Rand, randy's uh randy's an intense guy you know randy wants to win uh, at all costs and and he's going to play whoever he thinks is going to is going to get make that happen, you know. So he, he's, uh, you know, R- Randy. Randy definitely has his ways of getting things done, and and he's he's had success, you know, in in that. And he's 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 fair but tough, you know, which I think every great coach is that way. And um, you know, he had a lot of different egos to to manage on that side of things. There was a lot of there's a lot of big talents in that room, and I think he did a really great job at managing that. And, um, you know, we didn't uh, have the ultimate success we probably should have had in the playoffs, you know, with the cast of characters that we had there. And we probably should have been a lot more dominant in the playoffs, but also at the same point in time, you know, the, the Predators were also extremely strong then. So it was, uh, it was definitely a tough, uh, tough starting series. Was there any blowups that Randy Carlisle had that season that you recall? And if so, I mean, how did that happen? You know, I don't really, I don't really recall. You know, I, I, I always remember Randy's like being very, very calm. Like he was, I never, he, he wasn't a screamer. You know, if if there was something that, if there was something going on that that demanded attention, he he'd have a meeting or whatever it needed to be. Like he he was, you know, he he was professional in every regard. So I mean, he, uh, you know, he, like I said, he he, you know, take it with a grain of salt. You know, sleep on it, and if we had something to talk about, we'd talk about it. You know, in constructive way the following day. But you know, the, the really the the organization is as professional as any I played for, and and that was that was a top to bottom deal. Let's swing over to end of career. So. Uh, that was towards the end of your career, and maybe a year later you had retired. What struggles did you have, or did you have any struggles once you retired from the NHL or after retiring from the NHL? Um, were there any or many struggles after retirement? Yeah, I mean, every, I think I think if if you say you didn't have them, you're you're probably lying. I mean, it's look, I I played 15 years, and you're used to things very much a certain way, and. Um, there's a lot of intensity in that. I'm an intense person anyways. Um, and you need a place to put that intensity, right? So it's not, it's not playing golf, you know, twice a week with the old boys. It's, you've got to have something deeper, a deeper sense of purpose. So, you know, I really got into, you know, sort of uh, the entrepreneurial life after the game and 
and even while I was still playing, you know, I was developing intellectual property in the protective space and then working to license those technologies and that sort of, you know, all roads lead to Rome. I end up going and, you know, and, and working as a president of a multi, multi-brand hockey company. And then from there, you know, acquired Verbero and, and um, you know, run, running that now with all the, you know, collective intellect that I, that I was able to amass along the way. So it, it, it was definitely filled with some days of massive uncertainty where you just feel like you're sort of, I don't know, float, floating around and being jostled about not so much in control of your life and your destiny. And those days are tough. Um, and I definitely had had many of those. And I think that, you know, I, I, I thank my wife for sure for, you know, being uh, such a relentless source of support as I moved through a lot of that stuff. And then I'm really just thankful for the way that business has evolved because, you know, the one thing that, that you, athletes probably forget in the end is that, you know, you didn't make it as far as you did because it, it happened quickly. You spent, you know, the 10,000 hours and put in all the time and, and you forget that. And I would say it's the same thing in life after you've got to have the understanding that you have to invest the time. You've got to surround yourself with great people, like any great team. And then you've got to have the same relentless work ethic and commitment that, that, that allowed you to play at the highest level. So I I've definitely applied those things in my life now and, and business checks all the boxes for me. I love it. I, any, any competitive instincts that I have or, uh, or, or, or visions I might have or intellect I want to use I'm able to, I'm able to sort of, uh, you know, get the most out of all of that and, and, and own it. It's not like somebody can, can call me tomorrow and tell me I've been traded. I mean, I'm more in control of my life than I've ever been. And that, that feels great. Uh, which does transition into something that I did want to talk about. Uh, so you've created the Life After Hockey program for former hockey players, for former NHLers and AHLers uh, to help transition players out of their playing careers. Tell us a little bit about the Life After Hockey program, if you could. Yeah, no problem. So, you know, we I mentioned this previously, but we we, we tripled the industry standard commission rate for sales for, for Ribeiro. And we allow our salespeople to sell anywhere to anyone and then build their own sub rep force. And then we have, we have an inside sales support team that includes a bunch of ex NHLers and, and, uh, and, and, my, and myself included, we, we, uh, we offer ongoing training uh, and support. We education for all the products and the ways in which, you know, people need to operate to be successful and then we, we do everything that we can to support and uphold that from within to make sure that the athletes have ongoing success. So, you know, the, the fact that we we're working with about 25 XNHLers, we have about 30 PHPA members and about 20 of the top women in the game as our as sales reps. Um, it, it speaks volumes, I think, to the space that we've created. And then with Verbero, the way that we have it all, it all working, you know, we're, we're very, very intimate in our approach and our connection to the customer because we're going through people like, like these players that, that know that have the credibility and the respect and the relationships, you know, whether it's where they grew up playing or cities they played in and, and it's allowing us to fast track our entry into a lot of these organizations. Um, one example I love to give is in the St. Louis area. So, Tim Peel, um, ex-longtime NHL referee, signed on as one of our reps, and he immediately brought on Jamal Mayers. Well, Jamal and I played against each other for the whole 15 years and had many battles. But we were never friends, and uh, you know they, they've come in and they've essentially closed out, closed off every single organization in the St. Louis area, 
And, you know, I went in there a couple of weeks ago for fittings with, with these organizations. So like myself and Tim Peel and Jamal Mayers are down on our hands and knees and fitting kids in their jerseys and socks and shells and everything like that. And it's a, really a, embodies what we are at Verbero. It really, it's really a, a testament, I think, to the intimacy that we bring and, and just the sort of, you know, shoulder to shoulder approach that we have to supporting not only the brand and its products, but our, but our reps and, and ambassadors and affiliates. So in, in your opinion, I'll ask this, what else could the National Hockey League be doing to support former hockey players? Because your company's doing a fantastic job supporting hockey players, but the NHL as a whole probably could be doing more. So what do you think the league itself could be doing to support former well, hockey players? Yeah, that's a great question, Jason. They, they could be doing a lot more. Honestly, like when I left the game, I didn't, nobody, nobody reached out to me, you know, nobody's, nobody reaches out and say, Hey Andy, are you, how are you doing? Are you struggling? How are you feeling? You know, are you, are you, are you self-medicating? What are you doing? And we, and we, and I've talked to enough guys to know it's like the same routine because like I said earlier, you've got so much displaced energy and you've lived in such a way that you're in a spotlight, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to life after so there's an educational process there that needs to be dealt with in a way that the athlete understands fundamentally what to do and then outside of that there needs to be ongoing and continuous support to uphold those values so you know when we did the partnership with the phpa that was basically how i sold the partnership like we're we we're going to work together we're going to hook you into these accounts and make sure that the phpa can can receive some monetary gain from from these these athletes doing well and then on in that we'll work together to make sure that we can create ongoing education and and continuing support uh measures to make sure that to make sure that the athlete is successful ultimately successful um and you know and then in that we've we've seen those successes you know that take place like we you know we we put andrew alberts as our director of head protection for example you know andrew started working on sales and very quickly showed showed me that he's he's a brilliant guy and and hardworking and diligent and and uh, you know also has a gravitation towards head, you know head protection because of the, you know the ways the way that he had to retire with head injuries so we've had some great opportunity to promote from within and and care for our athletes and obviously partnering with groups like the PHPA has been a has been a huge help for us. What experiences did you use did you use for retirement? that helped other players or other players that are close to retirement like what were some of your experiences that are helping some of those players that are approaching that stage in their career well i think for me it's just knowing knowing the uncertainty that the players are going to deal with right and knowing that that in that they're they need a they need a home base they need a team they're used to being on a team in some regards they're used to being told like what to do and how to do it and and in that you know we we very respectfully sort of lay that out and we create a lot of internal uh tools and mechanisms to to afford you know to allow the the you know the the player or the or the rep with verbero to be successful um and then beyond that it's just it's just support it's 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 you know, you're like a coach or you're like a, you know, like a, a, a teammate, whatever it is, it's, it's, uh, it's caring for each other and, and making sure that we can, you know, do whatever we need to do to, to, to win the game or get it across the line. So it all kind of, it all kind of connects, um, I think for the athlete and gives them a place where they can, they can invest their time and, and feel like they're, uh, feel like they're seen and feel like they're appreciated and feel like they're part of something. We'll end on a lighter note because I, I know that a couple of people, 
they just wanted to hear some of your favorite stories from playing. So what were your what were some of your favorite stories from your playing days? It could be from Anaheim, from anywhere. Uh, what really sticks out in your mind? Well, it's you know in the in the end, it's it's all kind of a kind of a blur, and you know the the emphasis is on winning, right, and, and winning the cup. And I never got a chance to do that. Um, but that being said, you know. Every, every, I feel like I always felt so thankful for all of it. So, you know, my time in, in Anaheim, certainly, um, you know, finishing up in Edmonton and, and being able to to play with all those amazing, you know, first round players and, and being a, you know, being sort of a, in a player coach role was really cool. Um, you know, before that, and, you know, I got a chance to, you know, one of my best seasons in auto in, in uh, New York was, you know, I got a chance to go play in Ottawa and be in front of my, my family, um, you know, every game, which was, which was incredible. And then my time with the Islanders to spend three years in New York and be able to be able to, uh, you know, go into the city often was, was really cool. And then, you know, before that in, in, um, in Atlanta, really where my career was, was sort of forged, you know, I had an opportunity was playing 30 minutes a night and had a predominant role with the team. And that's where everything sort of kicked off for me. And I loved my time there. I ended up living in, in Atlanta for a decade, um, you know, met my best friend there. And then um, I'd say before that, you know, at the wild and getting to start that expansion team was, was a really cool deal. And then obviously my time in San Jose with all those legends and getting a chance to be in the NHL for the first time and, and getting to watch Owen Nolan and Mike Ricci. And, you know, uh, gosh, there were so many Bernie Nichols was there when I started and um, uh, Mike Vernon. I mean, just so, so many incredible uh, legends in the game were, were a part of that team. And looking back on it now, I just, I just can't even, can't even believe I was able to play as long as I did. And I, I just, I feel so, so thankful for it all. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up here on Locked On Ducks? The the only thing I could say is that you know, for with regards to Verbero, anyone that's interested in in learning more can just reach out to team at verbero.com if you're interested at all in in, in being being part of our sales team. Uh, it's a very open market. It's it's a kind of thing that can, can that goes well in in addition to anything else you're doing. Whether you're a hockey parent, you're a coach, you're a commissioner, you're a fan. Um, you know, our, our program is, is robust. We've had very little barrier to entry and our salespeople have been very successful. And, it, and I would just recommend that people take a look at that. Um, you know, upon initial outreach, you'll you get an email back and it'll show you what the team stores look like. You'll get to watch some recorded Zoom sessions that I do with our team to get, you know, get comfortable with everything. And it's a it's a really great opportunity for people that are that are immersed in the game. And and uh, I'd, I'd welcome any uh, anybody that would be interested. Once again, that's Andy Sutton from Verboro Hockey. Andy, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Yeah, likewise, Jason. Be well. Once again, big thank you to Andy Sutton for coming on the show from Verboro Hockey and also a former Anaheim Duck. So big, big, big thank you to Andy for coming on the show. All right, that's going to do it for today's special podcast. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all enjoyed that. If you enjoyed it, please Make sure to rate five stars, leave a comment, subscribe, make sure to download it. Once again, thank you to Andy and thank you all for listening. If you want to hear this podcast or any of the previous podcasts, make sure to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks. My personal Twitter, once again, is at StimpyJD. And please follow the show on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, 
Stitcher Radio, Spotify, the new Odyssey app, or wherever podcasts can be heard. If you want to drop me a line, you could drop me a line at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Once again, thank you all so very much. It is greatly appreciated. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the NHL draft and go more in-depth with at least the first couple picks. All right, that'll do it once again. Thanks, Andy. For Locked On Anaheim Ducks, I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great rest of the afternoon. Please be safe out there, be kind to one another, and ducks fly together.